This podcast is brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those that love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew. We are in the southern side of uh, the Czech Republic for this episode of the uh, Craft Beer and Brewing Podcast. We're in Česka Budavice, and uh, sitting with me to talk about brewing today is Adam Brosch, uh, the Schladek, or uh, uh, brewmaster for uh, Budvar Brewery, and uh, or in the, as it's known in the U.S., Czechvar brand. Um, there's a long legal history there we won't get into with some other big, you know, Brewery owned in uh, Northern Europe. Anyway, anyway, we won't talk about that. We're going to talk about brewing today. We're going to talk about pale lager. Well, welcome to the podcast, Adam. Good morning. Hello to everyone. Yeah, Adam has a reputation for being nerdy about brewing and loving to talk about technical process. And so we're going to take him up on that as we talk about pale lager, about their uh, their latest beer take on uh, pale lager, uh, Czech pale lager 33, and of course, Tamave. And, uh, you know, some dark Czech lager. We're going to talk about all of those things. But first, for years, G&D Chillers has chilled the beers you love, partnering with 3,000 plus breweries across the country. They're proud of the cool partnerships they've built, offering 24-7 service and support. G&D builds with non-proprietary parts, expert craftsmanship, and constant innovation. G&D's in-house engineering crew have been piping breweries, wineries, and distilleries for over 30 years. They offer free piping design and consultation with the sale of every chiller they build, Reach out for a quote today at gdchillers.com or call to discuss your next project. So, uh, episode's also sponsored by the folks at BSG who understand that the best beer starts with the best ingredients. That's why all BSG hops are hand-selected for quality by their expert staff. So you can trust you're getting the very best hops from the very best growers in the U.S. and around the world. Discover BSG's extensive range of domestic and imported hops at bsgcraftbrewing.com hops and scheduling freight carriers should be the last thing on a brewer's mind so why not trust the experts to handle freight for your ingredients old orchard has partnered with a leading logistics firm in the craft beverage industry to transport your flavored craft concentrate blends when you order two pails or more from old orchard you qualify for freight quotes to get started head over to oldorchard.com slash brewer so Adam, we normally start the podcast talking about uh, a bit of history, and uh, I'm curious, what it, was your brewing history? Uh, what was your, what were those early beer experiences? Um, of course, growing up here, beer is just a part of life. I imagine it uh, was something you grew up with. Uh, um, but where was that time where you decided I want to become a brewmaster? Yes, that, that's really so, because I was born in Budweis, in České Budějovice, the city dedicated uh, to uh, brewing of the typical Czech uh, lager of Budweiser Budvar. And uh, my uh, journey is uh, quite plain, because uh, I always tended to study uh, the natural sciences. So when uh, I was uh, studying uh, the grammar school, uh, I was thinking about mathematics or physics to study at uh, the university. Uh, but uh, getting uh, a bit more pragmatic, uh, I uh, saw a jewel in my city, an excellent thing uh, which I want to explore 
the Budweiser Boudoir Brewery. And it was a very nice combination with the natural sciences because uh, the uh, beer brewing is about the natural science. So uh, my idea was to explore it a bit during uh, the studies and uh, to try to study brewing and malting. And when I did so, uh, it was an excellent choice. Sure, sure. So you came straight out of university and started working here and have worked here ever since? Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a, kind, <laughs> it's a kind of a dream job because sure, uh, sure. at first I wanted to study beer brewing for Boudoir. And uh, after five years, uh, it was a big fortune that uh, the previous uh, uh, chief of brew house uh, was retired. And I have a I have the opportunity uh, to overtake his job. So what was more, I started at the beginning of the process of the brewery mm -hmm. as a chief of brew house. So it was an excellent position to start uh, the career. Uh, what must be mentioned, uh, there was the experience before because the studies took five years uh, right. at, the, at the university and every vacations, every summertime, I had the summer job in the brewery, <laughs> especially in the laboratory. And the laboratory was again, uh, the great place because if you are checking the quality, sure. you, you see all the brewery, you see everything, you meet all the people. And the, the laugh was uh, getting into, into my brain. <laughs> <laughs> We can definitely tell that you love what you do, um, you know. But it is also interesting to see that uh, you know here in the Czech Republic there is a very um, focused and a very intense educational system that produces skilled brewers that have a theoretical background, a scientific background, um, you know. And it is a, a four-year degree to come out to then move through this kind of you know professional career. But the universities prepare brewers because there's a large industry for that here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have a specialized university. It is called the University of Chemical Technology in Prague. That's the uh, only uh, university which is uh, preparing uh, the professional uh, brewers. Mm -hmm. uh, I have mentioned it uh, takes uh, five years of studies. And what is more, there is the possibility to study the doctorate. So uh, not only me, but all my team, we were following with the doctorates at uh, our our alma mater university. Wow. And uh, uh, I really appreciate the education I get because uh, it was very easy to operate in the brewery after these studies. Sure. So having that kind of deep theoretical knowledge and not knowledge of all the science behind yeah. what's happening helps you apply it in a, in a practical term here. Yeah. Well, let's talk about, uh, let's talk about the brewery itself. You know, it's a very, it's a historical brewery. Um, yeah, but it's also uh, the, the breweries, this brewery for this city is, uh, you know, it is, it's, it's such a, a flagship and well-known just as, in other cities here in the Czech Republic, their biggest brewery is, it, it's, it, you know, as big or bigger than their, their biggest football team for that matter. Um, the loyalties are strong and uh, they're very important to the areas. Give us a little, you know, quick history of, uh, of uh, Budvar. 
Yeah, I think if we uh, should speak about the history, we have to start uh, with the longest history. Uh, that's the beer brewing tradition in this city because mm-hmm. it's it's longer than 700 years. Yeah. And uh, always it was about the beer in this city. Uh, then uh, some industrial breweries, the bigger breweries uh, emerged uh, uh, at first in the 18th, then in the 19th century. Yeah. And we are one of the younger breweries, our mm. Uh, was established in 1895. If you compare uh, this uh, year, uh, it's not so old uh, in uh, the beer brewing history of the Czech Republic. Sure. But what's very important that this brewery uh, is a follower of uh, beer brewing tradition in this city, including all uh, the ingredients, all the attitudes, all the recipes. That's that's uh, really important and. Uh, when uh, the first uh, brewmaster, Mr. Hovacek, started brewing in uh, October of uh, 1895, uh, it was great that he uh, set up uh, an excellent uh, recipe of uh, the Czech lager with mild bitterness because uh, the next uh, brewmasters had uh, a bit uh, easier position to keep the great thing but sometimes uh, during the time sometimes it's uh, not so easy job to protect uh, the treasury to protect the uh, the national jewels sure sure um and we do use the term czech lager czech pale lager because uh, you know you don't make pilsner here they make that in pilsen mm-hmm. um, americans tend to think of that as a, a style and uh, this all-encompassing thing um, but you make budweiser you don't make You don't make their beer, um, <laughs> or you make you know Czech pale lager. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, the lager it's not a boring category. You are right; it's quite wide, and uh, Czech style or Bohemian style. Uh, sometimes, if you uh, read the categories, the definitions of the categories, sometimes uh, there are the problems to uh, fit the limits because uh, the history is not constant. It's a vivid. The vivid thing and the categories are changing. Uh, there are many uh, influences uh, and in case of boudoir Uh, it's uh, always about the original. And uh, if I should compare to uh, the lager categories, uh, it's close to the Czech style. It's partially close to Pilsner, but uh, it's, I think at the same distance, it is close to Munich style uh, lager. It's um, mild, bitter, Uh, pale cover, only pale malt used. So uh, sometimes we are laughing that it, it's uh, this beer, it's category uh, only for one one beer, <laughs> one one original. <laughs> That's an amazing point and something I think that, uh, you know, we talk about some fairly often here on the podcast that especially with American brewers and thinking about styles and these kinds of strict definitions, mm-hmm. um, those styles are written to describe beers that are made commercially and try to group them. Yeah. Um, but oftentimes those things that the styles point to mm-hmm. um, are much more broad and uh, then the styles can actually capture. That's fascinating that you might think that your beer is closer to say yeah. Munich Hellas than yeah, it is yeah. to, to the beer from Pilsen over there to, you know, but, but that is, and you know, throughout our trip here, we've just seen there's this interesting continuity of beer where, 
you know, there's no hard lines between these things. There's just the things that people in certain places like, you know, made Mm -hmm. by their local brewers that are kind of like the ones next door, but maybe not exactly the same. And this beautiful broad range of these things, uh, you know, across from uh, Franconia here all the way to Prague, um, common things between them, some differences Mm -hmm. and, uh, um, you know, but summing them up as one simple term doesn't, doesn't do them all justice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, it was great that uh, the beer is uh, really a uh, natural thing. There are uh, no uh, strict natural uh, borders between the categories, between the geographics. It's uh, normal that there are not strict limits. So I'm glad that you can brew an excellent beer and which category, it doesn't depend. Fantastic. Well, let's uh, let's talk about how you brew that pale that pale lager, that original pale lager from Budvar. Before we do that, take your brewing to the next level with AccuBrew's revolutionary fermentation monitoring system, now predicting specific gravity. AccuBrew's mobile app and stainless steel sensors work together to send you live data from inside your tanks, including predicted gravity, fermentation activity, clarity, and temperature. Unlike other fermentation monitoring systems, AccuBrew is CIP ready and designed to stay out of your way, saving you time and space. Their set it and forget it solution streamlines systems and processes, helps maintain consistency and detect problems before they ruin a batch. Join the AccuBrew community today and experience 24-7 peace of mind. Also, brewing is currently one of the most innovative, adaptive, and fast-paced industries in the world. With consumer demand shifting to the latest and greatest trend, it can be difficult for production teams to keep up with the requirements. The ProFill series of rotary can fillers from ProBrew are accelerating plant production everywhere. These can fillers run at speeds between 100 and 600 cans per minute while achieving precise and consistent filling volumes not achievable by most inline and mobile fillers. For more information, visit www.probrew.com or email contact us at probrew.com to learn exactly how they can take your operations to the next level. Pro brew, brew your beer. And did you know your water can change the flavor profile of your beer? Water is the number one ingredient after all, and uswatersystems.com knows just how to treat it. uswatersystems.com has been at the forefront of the craft brewing industry and created American-made water treatment systems with brewers in mind. Whether you're a hobbyist or a pro, head on over to uswatersystems.com to learn more because great beer starts here. So let's talk about uh, the original pale lager. Um, And usually as we talk on the podcast, we try to walk through a, a, a beer in a linear process, starting with the the you know general ingredients and, and design of the beer. Um, and since we're just talking about water here, why don't we start with water? Because water is a very important thing for every beer beer style in every city here in the Czech Republic. And the slight differences in water start to create the even you know the foundations for the different beers that, that are made here. Yeah, the water is uh, one of the most important items, uh, how to set up the taste profile. It sounds strange because water uh, is not so rich in uh, substances, in uh, compounds creating the taste, uh, but uh, 
the composition of water uh, is a, a strong factor for all the following processes. So uh, I must say that we are very happy that our predecessors uh, set up the brewery right here in this place of city of Budweis, because uh, if you drill uh, 300 meter deep well, you get the best water for the Czech lager. It, it uh, sounds a bit uh, an idol. idol. Yeah, everyone has the best water <laughs> but, where they are. <laughs> but it's really, it's really so, because if you study the literature, you, yeah, you, sure. you, you de definitely can't skip uh, the information about the water hardness and the microbiological state sure, of, of the sure. water. And in case of uh, Budweis water, it's very soft water for mm -hmm. about four German degrees of hardness. Uh, and uh, the microbiological qualities is excellent. Uh, it fulfills all the norms uh, for drinking uh, water. Mm -hmm. And uh, we are checking uh, the quality uh, each week in our laboratory and each month uh, at uh, the state uh, authorized laboratory. So uh, the results uh, are published and we can be sure that the water is really the best one. <laughs> <laughs> Well, and I guess it should be said that like the biggest brewing towns generally here over, you know, centuries became the biggest brewing towns because they had the, the you know, the best uh, circumstances yes. such as water from for making those beers. Um, you know, when you see just how long the brewing tradition has happened here and, you know, thousand plus years, you know, easily, maybe more. Um, you know, things focused in those places, Jatets grows hops because yeah. hops grow best there, yeah. you know, and then they feed it down to the cities that have the other resources that help make these things, you know, and so things go where, where they're best made. And that's, that's, it's interesting to watch how that has uh, led to which towns are, are big on the brewing scene. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, so from water, where, to, where do you, you know, keep building a recipe from there? Uh, and I say you inherited this recipe, obviously. This yes. is a classic, uh, you know. Yes, yes, yes. So you have to follow with the other ingredients. Sure, sure. Uh, I think that the availability you have mentioned uh, was the reason why uh, the uh, entrepreneur uh, brewing the beer in the city uh, mm -hmm. made sense those days. Right. So uh, in our case, uh, we... Uh, purchase uh, the malt uh, produced uh, from the barley, which is grown only in small area in Moravia. It mm -hmm. is called Hana in the Czech, uh, Czech language. Yeah. It's uh, quite a small uh, part of the small republic. Uh, it's not so comfortable. It's not in Budweis, but uh, in comparison to the North American continent, 300 kilometers, it's not far. <laughs> it's sure, not far. Sure. Uh, the, the same uh, case is uh, uh, the hops uh, because uh, for Budweiser original uh, we use only one variety uh, fine zaster aroma hops and mm -hmm. what, what is more uh, till today and I'm sure uh, in future uh, I, I will insist on it because it's uh, really, uh, really a vital pillar of the quality fine sauce hops yeah yeah and uh, the form. I wanted wanted to mention the form because it's not so uh, not so clear that uh, quite a large brewery is able to use the hop cones. We we do it in one hundred percent. So right, you don't use pellets. Yes. You use one hundred percent whole cone hops. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We have only one simple reason for it because if you want to deliver the 
the all the all those uh, uh, of uh, very useful compounds from hops, uh, the cones are the only 100% those. What do you mean? What do you mean by that? Uh, I think that uh, if you produce the pellets, uh, uh-huh. uh, for example, the pellets 90, the type 90, sure. uh, you uh, get 90 kilos of pellets from 100 kilos of hops. In the 10 kilos which you are getting rid, uh, there are uh, very useful compounds, for example, mm. the polyphenols, which are co-creating uh, the taste profile of the beer. So it's a pity uh, to leave, leave them in, in the waste. So, and I know, you know, as we were talking before we started the podcast, that you back up the intuition of the brewmasters with the empirical evidence of uh, science and practice. Uh, in that sense, I imagine you have tested some uh, pellets versus those whole cone hops. Um, as you think about those tests um, from a sensory standpoint, you know, how do they differ in flavor and aroma Ver, you know, from pellets to the whole cones that you use. Yes, definitely. And it's uh, not closed uh, item uh, nowadays. Uh, 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 quite a huge study, a three-year uh, year study mm. is running in our brewery comparing uh, different form of hops, not only pellets and pressed uh, cones, but uh, also a also pressed cones in uh, the form uh, of plaques, plugs, if you have right. seen. Yeah. And something not really yeah. used in the United States, but they have almost like core kind of samp- you know, uh, compacted plugs that you can use in brewing. Yeah, yeah. so uh, we are comparing it uh, nowadays again and again. Yeah. Uh, and uh, if I uh, answer the question of the differences in all the tests, uh, the whole cones uh, were always uh, richer in the taste in the final beer, uh, milder uh, aroma mm. and uh, richer uh, hops uh, aroma uh, than the other forms. Interesting. Yeah. So, so it's both a quality and intensity thing that it, uh, the subtlety, but the fullness at the same time creates the, you know, and the, I guess that whole cone has a way of both protecting some of those, uh, you know, holding in some of those things, but also expressing in a gentle way, but a more intense way. Some of the, interesting. Yeah, there are definitely some uh, advantages for uh, the pellets, especially the hand, <laughs> the handling, the warehousing. Right, right. There's lots of advantages. Uh, of of to course, the it's much much easier and perhaps better for for someone. Uh, but uh, if we compared and waged uh, pros and cones. The cones, uh, yeah. the cones was the winner. Um, but then using those means, you know, creating an entire, you know, technical and process system to keep those bales in good condition, you know, cold stored before, before you use them. And, and I mean, that's, those are big and hefty and they're not necessarily packed when they're packaged in, uh, uh, they're not necessarily packaged in the best way to, to, you know, the way that, uh, you know, pellets might be, you know, capped to, 
avoid any oxidation? How do you all store hops for over the course of a season? Yeah, yeah we uh, collect all uh, the crops into the brewery because it's the only way uh, how to really protect the quality yeah. uh, in a special room, in a historic room of the former malt house. Mm. Uh, there is a space which is uh, aerated uh, up, uh, up to uh, five degrees centigrade, not more, mm. without mm. any movement of the air. So okay. that, that's the way how to keep the quality. Oh, okay. Yeah, so you all have built an entire system yeah, to it's, store it, your own hops then. Yeah, it's quite expensive, demanding, uh, but we are sure that it's worth doing it. Sure. Let's talk about your malt again. You know, you mentioned you use a Hana variety, uh, you know, Moravian barley, um, but there's some, you know, connection between the brewing process that you use, the malt that you use, and how that malt, you know, is prepared for the brew house. And a brewery your size can have malt made specifically to your specifications. You don't malt here at the brewery? Yes, yes, yes. That's that's what we don't. We don't. don't, uh, The brewery had uh, the malt house uh, until the 80s of the last century. Mm -hmm. But with the uh, quite uh, steep uh, growth of the production, it wasn't sufficient and it was impossible to intensify uh, the plant. So uh, the brewery decided uh, to purchase uh, all the malt from Moravian malt houses. It's quite a strong and good partner uh, along long-term long-term partner sure. uh, who is able to pick up for us uh, the ingredients we need yeah yeah how do you and i'm you're because you're such a large customer you can have them make exactly what you need you know through that uh, you know is there anything particular or special mm. to the prep, uh, preparation of the malt that you use yeah that there is uh, that's the reason why we need the strong partner because our malt we purchase it's not the uh, i We'll call it normal malt it's, or common yeah. malt. It's not what you order just out because of the catalog. Because it's, it's yeah. special, especially in uh, the degree of modification. For mm. for our uh, process, uh, the lower uh, modified malt is suitable. And uh, if you want to keep all uh, the quality parameters, it's not only about uh, uh, the analytical specs, uh, but also about uh, the varieties. So Mm. uh, our uh, specifications are analytical ones for uh, for about 15 15 items. Uh, But what is more, we want to get only Czech varieties of (laughs) barley. So we are very strict, but uh, it it works for decades. Do they grow uh, (laughs) non-Czech barley uh, varieties here in, in Czech? Uh, there, uh, these days there are uh, there are for about three the purely Czech varieties, and okay. then there are many other uh, foreign varieties yeah. uh, connected uh, with the higher modified molds uh, for but but for really different brewing process. I, I will have to mention the brewing process because it's unique. As we'll, well definitely talk about that brewing process, um, but I guess you're right. I guess that malt house could also source barley grown in neighboring countries that might not uh, that also grow brewing barley and mm-hmm. uh, you know it might be a different approach on that mm-hmm. um is everything that you make check grown or is some of that also grown 
from Czech varieties and surrounding areas. Uh, in, in our case, it's really uh, the Czech grown ones, and yeah. what's more, only from a specific area. It, it's closely yeah. connected to uh, the PGI protected geographical in indication. Okay. It's, it's strictly written there uh, which area uh, is allowed and which not. Uh, it, it was made deliberately from from the brewery because we wanted uh, to be transparent and we want to protect uh, this heritage for for the next generation as well. No, that makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, in that barley process, and it feeds into your brewing process. You un under modify that malt so that uh, it can feed into a, a double decoction process. You know, as you brew. Since we've talked about those ingredients, let's start talking about about some of that process. Yeah, yeah. Uh, in uh, our brew house, which is a typical brew house, if you open the old books of beer brewing uh, in the Czech Republic, uh, you can read a, a process which is very similar to uh, boudoir production mm -hmm. uh, because uh, <clears throat> we use the two mesh uh, decoction. And uh, if I should emphasize some items which are yeah. really necessary to keep, that will be the double decoction for boudoir. Uh, to speak about decoction generally, uh, the decoction is the item uh, which is able to make the lager and uh, the particular solution, which kind of decoction uh, shows uh, on uh, the final taste profile. So uh, last time when I was uh, in Canada and in the US, I've seen that many brewers are trying uh, to brew lager. And yeah. uh, uh, I have to say that many of the lagers were uh, excellent beers. Sometimes they were closer to the Czech one, sometimes not. Sure. But uh, what's uh, my recommendation? I know that it's not the technically easiest way, the decoction. It's uh, sometimes it's not possible on the equipment because it's not equipped for, for the decoction. Right. But if you are trying a lager, try to do decoction <laughs> despite all of these difficulties. Don't, don't give up. <laughs> Now you mentioned uh, before we started talking here on the podcast that uh, you know decoction. Obviously, we understand, and we can actually talk about how it impacts the flavor of the beer itself. But one of the things you mentioned is that um, the decoction process actually helps you even out some of the variances in malt itself. Yeah, yeah. The decoction and the brewing process, uh, the entire brewing process is a very wise uh, invention of uh, the human beings because uh, the wisdom comes uh, from the possibility that if you are working with the living stuff from beginning till the end, and it's, it's true because at the beginning there is uh, the barley and the hops on fields, then uh, the yeast, then the people, and in, at the end the people again, because the human being is, is, a, is a judge of your, of your job, if it is done properly or not. So uh, what's very wise, that's the, it's a kind of buffer uh, 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 how, how to say it? Uh, the process could buffer uh, the vari variances mm -hmm. which are coming from nature. Each crop is different, 
and uh, in experimental way, in empirical way, was set up uh, decoction to buffer these differences. So uh, we uh, confirmed it uh, mm. in uh, the scientific way in the experiments uh, that uh, to react uh, to different curves, uh, it's not the proper way to change uh, the meshing scheme. For example, mm -hmm. if you keep the same double decoction, you can be sure that from the slight var variances from, from crops to crops, mm. uh, the decoction solves this problem in the standard quality, uh, following uh, with the standard quality of the beer. Interesting. So even even if some of the number specs change a little bit here and there, that double decoction that decoction process will even that out in the long run. And uh, you know, rather uh, hadn't hadn't thought about it in those terms. Um, you know, from a, a you know kind of f flavor profile. And again, I know you've tested this, you know, decoction works in an interesting way because it both locks in a little bit of, of sweetness, you know, a little bit of, of residual sweetness, um, in a fine way, uh, something, you know, creates some unfermentable, uh, you know, mm -hmm. you know element that, uh, mm -hmm. that these beers really depend on and that help, uh, you know, complement uh, you know, the, the hop flavor and the bitterness in the beer. Um, you know, but while well, at the same time also aiding fermentation of the rest and creating, uh, you know, that, that kind of uh, you know, texture that we need out of out of these beers. Um, talk to me, you know, mm -hmm. uh, you know, as you think about the compa uh, comparisons yeah. of decoction versus non-decocted uh, yeah. lo uh, pale lager. Um, how do you? How would you describe the differences? In yeah, those? I think that there are two main uh, differences. Uh, one, the physical one, because uh, in case of decoction, you are boiling the uh, the meshes, and during the boil, uh, the flavor active compounds and the color active compounds are uh, generated, and uh, the beer is richer in flavor in in color. It's very similar uh, to cooking the meal if you are. Sure. Uh, cooking the meal, it's necessary to heat it up. It's necessary to keep some time to uh, um, toasted uh, let, bread yeah, tastes yeah, way yeah, better yeah, than yeah, yeah. Uh, on, you know than yeah. just plain bread. And you, you need the energy and the time to let this these reactions sure, uh, sure. Uh, to be taken and. Uh, the second thing, uh, that's the composition of uh, long and short molecules in the scientific point right. of view, especially in the, sh the sugars, uh, because uh, in case of decoction, you uh, tune up automatically by nature uh, the composition of fermentable and non-fermentable sugars. And uh, the main uh, difference between uh, final beer is the breadiness, the body of the beer. We have made many experiments, not only on lager, uh, with uh, decoction and non-decoction in small scale at, at the university, and there was an obvious uh, difference uh, uh, with uh, the breadiness with the body of the beer. Sure. Well, what does your decoction process look like? You know, um, I've talked to many brewers and some. Some have long decoctions, some have short decoctions. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, what is what is your goal through that decoction, and and how uh, how do those decoction steps yeah, work yeah. for, yeah, for I, advisor? I will describe uh, it in the technical way, so shortly to uh, to think about yeah. uh, as the inspiration, and you can you can add your your experience. Uh, our recipe starts uh, at uh, meshing in temperature thirty eight degrees centigrade. 
so very low in, mm-hmm. uh, in many breweries. Yeah. You you can't see such a temperature in, right. in meshing meshing kettles. Uh, so then uh, hot water is added uh, up to uh, 50 degrees centigrade, and after that, a first mesh is divided from from the brew. The first mesh, approximately a third mm-hmm. uh, of all the volume, is heated up uh, to 65 and then 75. Mm-hmm. After that, boiled for 20 minutes, collected together with the rest of the brew, mm-hmm. and the process is repeated again. So two mesh decoction with yeah. the, these temperatures, no hurry. Together it takes for about four hours, <laughs> but uh, it's worth doing it because uh, you really uh, tune up the taste in natural way. Uh, you don't uh, need to push the beer uh, to the proper position in the taste. It, it, it works automatically. It, it works naturally. That, that, that's, that's the wisdom of the brewing. Sure, sure. And it, it works naturally with this whole step mashing process. Um, and it's finally integrated. And uh, you're right. Everyone here s- spends a lot of time in their mash, much more than single infusion mashes typically in the United <laughs> States. Uh, you know, but uh, but certainly the beers are fantastic. Let's. I want to you know keep following through this brewing process before we do that. Hear that? That's the sound of your beer out in the world, hanging out at parties, going on adventures, meeting new people. It's carbonated to perfection, and the can art looks slick. Twin Monkeys Beverage Systems knows how to capture quality in a can. Their custom-built canning lines combine high quality with affordability so that people can get a taste of your tap room from any room. Visit TwinMonkeys.net today and learn just how easy it is to get your craft into cans. Also, everybody knows that yeast plays one of the most important roles in brewing no matter what style and recipe you choose. It influences flavor, aroma, acidity, brightness, and mouthfeel all at the same time. And brewing a lager is no exception. Discover a whole soft lager range by Fermentus, covering from traditional to modern style lagers. Soft Lager S189 for the elegant lagers with floral notes. Soft Lager S23 for fruity and hoppy ones. And Soft Lager 3470, W3470 for your neutral beers. Available in 500 grams, 100 grams, and 11.5 gram formats. Want to know more about soft lager yeasts? Visit www.fermentus.com. And ABS Commercial has been a full service brewery outfitter for over 10 years. They're proud to offer brew houses, tanks, keg washers, and small parts to brewers across the country, as well as equipment for distilling, cider making, wine making, and more. They know the ins and outs of the brewing and installation process and can design the perfect setup for you whether you're just starting out or looking to expand. Contact them today at sales at abs-commercial.com to discuss your customized brewery needs. ABS Commercial, we are brewers. So through the mashing pro- from the mashing process, uh, let's, let's keep walking, uh, walking through the brew. Where do you, you know, how does, how does the original Bidvar, uh, you know, where does the brew, brew day go from there? Uh, from the mashing to uh, the end, uh, there is uh, approximately 100 days of uh, <laughs> effort of 100 people. So sure, it, sure. it's quite quite difficult, uh, difficult thing to uh, finalize the, the beer. But uh, the other parts are easier in, in the process because uh, after uh, mashing, uh, you uh, need to keep the... Uh, wort boiling. Sure. Uh, we have uh, speak about. Uh, we have spoken about uh, uh, the hops. So it's obvious that you have to, you, to you know, add how, yeah. 
How do you add whole cone hops into a bruise this size and this kind of scale? Yeah, in the case of Boudoir, it's done manually uh, for three times into the brew. The first uh, moment is when the bottom of kettle is covered. Mm-hmm. Uh, then when there is full kettle and the last dose is uh, 30 minutes after uh, 90 minutes of boil. So, uh, it, so you had a, basically a whirlpool edition of some sort there. No, no, no. <laughs> only only. House oh, because 30 minutes before. They 30 finish. minutes okay. before, but into the kettle, because 30 minutes is quite a long time. Uh, the only reason is that uh, the form of uh, natural cones needs the time to be spread into the volume. Oh, okay. So that's, that's, the, that's the reason. So after approximately... So there's nothing too late because uh, because you're using whole cones, you would not yeah. get the right flavor and aroma extraction yeah. from that. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. So after... For approximately 10 hours in brew house, uh, it uh, goes into the beer pool. There is nothing, nothing special. Cooled down uh, to uh, 7 degrees centigrade mm-hmm. uh, and the yeast is added. I think that's the, the, uh, the very important item. Uh, we have been uh, using the same yeast strain since the beginning of this brewery. So, mm-hmm. so this uh, strain is specific. Uh, in its metabolism, it is able to uh, ferment deeper. It's uh, one of the reasons why, attenuative, yeah. why we have uh, the attenuation wall uh, deeper uh, with uh, five uh, ABV in the final beer. Mm. Then uh, after the cooling, uh, after the wort is being cooled down, uh, there is a main fermentation nowadays in modern cylinder conical vessels. Uh, what is traditional, that's the temperature and the time, because it doesn't exceed 11 degrees centigrade. And the time is uh, from 11 to 12 days. So that's the same figure you can find out in the old books. Sure. That was one uh, very deeply studied item when we switched from the open vessels to uh, to the cylinder conical tanks. And when did you, you switch from open, open uh, fermenters? Uh, com- completely. It uh, was done in uh, 1996. So, so not that long ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there was... Uh, uh, for about five years uh, period before when we uh, run in parallel the open vessels and the solid conical can- mm. tanks to be sure that uh, the, uh, the beer is the same and the recipe fits together. It took you five years to decide. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That, very properly. That the cylindroconical fermenters were, yeah, were yeah. going to be good enough. To be confirmed, yeah, to be confirmed and verified. <laughs> And then I imagine maybe some blending back and forth just to make sure everything uh, everything squared up. Sure, sure. Um, you know, and then from from those cylindroconicals, you uh, you move into horizontal lagering tanks. Uh, that's the next step because uh, we use the uh, cylindroconical tanks only for main fermentation. So it means that uh, keeping two-phase fermentation, uh, the young beer goes into the horizontal tanks. Uh, there are uh, different types of the tanks. Uh, a part of uh, the lager cellar uh, was uh, installed in uh, the 50s and 60s of the last century. Mm. They are the, uh, the iron uh, uh, tanks uh, with the epoxide inside, uh, quite small ones, uh, 200 hectoliters mm. each. Uh, but uh, the next part of uh, the lager cellar 
they are uh, huge horizontal tanks, 10 times uh, bigger. It means that uh, the, uh, the, the smallest of them is 2,000 hectoliters, and they serve uh, for a very long maturation. Mm -hmm. I think that uh, that's the last pillar of the lager, the maturation. Uh, it depends on the taste profile, but uh, in case of Boudoir, where there is only pale malt and very fine hopping, uh, you need the long maturation period. In this case, uh, up to three months in the cellar. Um, and, you know, and you mentioned, you know, as we were touring about, around a little bit before, that uh, you the hydrostatic pressure in cylindroconicals just makes it unsuitable for lager uh, for lagering. Um, yeah, because you're doing this and you're keeping it cold and there's, you know, it's trying to do very small things, uh, you know, and doing that under that kind of pressure is too much. Um, but I also imagine you, you've tested that. Yeah, of course, because, <laughs> <laughs> because you have no problem if you lager, uh, the beer up to 30 days in the cylinder conical vessel, the, uh -huh. the duration, uh, and the exposition uh, of uh, the pressure to the east is uh, is uh, necessary to judge. So up to mm. 30, it uh, would be okay. But in case of uh, long maturation, the horizontal ones are better. And what is the difference then in, in a sensory perspective between 30 days and 90 days of lagering? Because 12 weeks of lagering is a long time. Yeah, it, it is. Uh, in case of boudoir, you can recognize uh, especially the smoothness. Uh, in uh, If you uh, test the 30 days boudoir from the cellar, uh, the smoothness is not sufficient. Uh, uh, it's uh, the, This uh, taste profile of the beer is very strict. Uh, there is no chance to mask anything. You, you can't mask it by pale malt. You can't mask it uh, by uh, the fine armazasser. Uh, in case of uh, rather beers or uh, if you use different malts, you have the chance to mask the slight of taste. In case of boudoir, uh, it's impossible. So that's the mm -hmm. reason why we really need longer maturation. One thing that is not a significant component in your take on Czech pale lager that we do see in a lot of others is, is a small diacetyl component. Uh, it was uh, always written in the uh, Czech or Pilsner characteristics. Uh, in case of Boudoir, there is really no diacetyl because uh, you have uh, time enough uh, to get rid of uh, diacetyl in, mm. in the natural way. So, so sometimes when we, when we discuss the categories, we are not typical because we have no diacetyl. But I, I always claim that diacetyl, it's not the desirable, desirable compound in lager because it's much, much disturbing the taste profile. The debate continues. We'll <laughs> continue to rage on. No, I, yeah, it, it, it obviously, you know, brewers brewing at all of these scales are, in, you know, they have the ability to brew them however they would like to brew them. And they, you know, they're not, it's not an accident when it's in the, you know, in some of the larger lager beers. But it, it was interesting to taste. Um, you know, yours is definitely a different take on that compared to, to others that we've, we've I've been tasting over the last week or two here in the Czech Republic. Well, uh, let's, uh, let's talk about, uh, you know, stepping it up. You all somewhat recently launched a, a new iteration 
of uh, you know from Budvar Budvar 33, which is uh, um, more IBUs. The 33 uh, is, you know, represents the IBU number, and I think it's interesting that. Uh, you would tie the brand so tightly into an IBU number that even within the common populace of beer drinkers, that idea of bitterness and being a little more bitter uh, is something that everyone can kind you know can understand on a conceptual level, um, you know. Uh, but that thirty three is is a you know even maybe a more full uh, approach, um, you know the but uh, original Budvar. You know, it's a very, uh, uh, it's a little bit lighter, clean, right? A little more like a Munich Helles, um, you know, uh, mm-hmm. where, where the 33 is, uh, you know, maybe a little more of a, a bigger, fuller Czech style. Uh, or, or not even Czech. I'm so used to saying Czech mm-hmm. style, but it's it's actually just a Czech yeah, lager. Yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Um, talk to me about developing a yeah, 33. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a vivid discussion about, uh, there was always a vivid discussion about the bitterness of Boudoir and someone was not uh, able uh, to appreciate the medium level but mild bitterness. It was always described as a sweet beer and so on. So the discussion continued uh, in uh, our team and imagine consumers saying that yeah. they just wanted a more bitter beer yeah oh. yeah yeah and i i think that the czech oh, republic the, is fantastic from that, that perspective they were always discussing <laughs> the different uh, kinds of bitterness so yeah. that yeah. was a kind of challenge sure. to try the beer for someone it was shocking the bitter boudoir what what's it what's it it's it's, it's strange uh, but uh, uh, I must uh, say that it was not easy to uh, to produce bitter boudoir. Perhaps it's e- quite easy to produce a bitter beer. You you get a bitter hops, you mix it together, and you have really bitter stuff. Mm-hmm. But uh, the difference is in bitterness that they are huge, and it took. But you have to make it drinkable, right? Yeah, and it <laughs> took a year. It took a year to adjust the recipe. In our case, uh, to pick up uh, the best or the most suitable uh, hops and combine it with the body uh, of the beer. Uh, what's uh, Interesting. Next to next to the pale malt, there is a, a slight dose of uh, crystal light, a special mm. special malt, which is not the typical caramel because yeah. uh, we uh, don't prefer the caramelized malt in mm-hmm. lager. And uh, when we combined the Agnus variety, which is more bitter, but I think that uh, the bitterness is uh, very noble uh, from Agnus variety g- grown in Zaser era. Uh, we combined it with this body. Uh, it uh, was excellent beer for us, so we wanted to share it. The Agnes hop has been one that we've been really excited about. Yeah. That, uh, uh, and it's fun to hear you mention that because it's it's something that has stood out for us over the last couple of days of tasting and smelling, tasting beers and, and rubbing hops. And uh, it'll be interesting to see how, you know, as, as people you know, spread. Well, but for you, like, how does... Uh, Agnes in this bigger body, bigger body beer, uh, you know, hold up to that uh, more intense, you know, flavor. Yeah, uh, we needed some hops which uh, gives the bitterness uh, but doesn't break the drinkability. That, mm-hmm. that that was the reason why Agnus because uh, it's more intensity, uh, higher intensity in bitterness, uh, but very rich aroma and harmonic with with the body. That, that was quite easy, easy way. 
Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and this is does it use the same yeast and fermentation? Yeah, I mean, because you, you're using a highly attenuative yeast, and so it's uh, you know, well, you're you're building more body into this, and it, but it's still finishing dry. Yes, yes, it's possible because uh, you can combine uh, the molds with different uh, degree uh, of uh, final degree of attenuation, mm-hmm. and if you mix it, you can uh, a, a bit. Uh, lower uh, the final attenuation. Does anything change in terms of how long that it, it is uh, lagered? Uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, not, it's 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 not, not so not so long lagered. Uh, yeah. Approximately fifty days in the lager cellar are are enough because of the different taste profile. Because it's just a you know a heftier you know yeah, a, yeah. A bigger beer. Yeah. Are there any other uh, you know big big changes in that? I mean, a little bit of light crystal malt. Uh, but it's still the same kind of Pilsner or, or uh, mm-hmm. you know pale Czech malt. Mm-hmm. It's funny because we call it Pilsner malt, but it's really just yeah. Czech pale malt. Yeah, yeah. We have our own pale malt. Anyway. Yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, it's only the terminology. It, <laughs> I think that the most important is the taste in the in the glass. <laughs> sure, sure. Are there any other concerns that uh, that you you know as as you're thinking about this beer um, that you focused on in terms of of making sure that it retained its drinkability? Yeah, yeah, the drinkability uh, is obligatory for yeah. us. Uh, we want never uh, to produce uh, not drinkable beer sure, sure, <laughs> because sure. the drinkability uh, it, it's the fine. It's a part of the final product. Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I think that uh, our yeah. product is not the beer, but the joy from the beer. Sure. And without the drinkability, it's a half of a joy. Yeah. Well, let's quickly talk about uh, Tsmave. Yeah, that's another one that uh, you, as a large brewery, you know, are, are making mm-hmm. a, a dark check lager, mm-hmm. and it's a, um, you know, it's commonly available out here. Talk, talk to me about your approach to tamave, and uh, you know what you think defines a Czech dark lager. Yeah, I uh, love the story because it was in 2004 when uh, this uh, product uh, was invented in Budvar. Uh, in the longer history, there were some dark beers uh, from Budvar, but uh, mm-hmm. none of them uh, was uh, produced in long term. So in 2004, the Czech market uh, with uh, dark uh, beers, or mostly dark lagers, uh, was uh, the market with all the sweet lagers. Uh, the dark ones were all sweet, very full, but unpleasantly sweet in yeah. in my opinion. So we discussed in the brewery about the dark uh, possibility and there were two branches, two opinion branches in the brewery. One of them wanted to follow the Czech market with the sweet one. Mm-hmm. The second one wanted uh, to have more roasted, more aromatic beer, but the dry one. So it was really difficult to persuade uh, our boss that uh, it must be dry uh, and not sweet and without any uh, additions, uh, ingredients different from a mold. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we made some experiments in the small scale uh, and uh, presented to him uh, how the beer looks like and and it was very drinkable, very, very good. So our boss allowed to brew the first production brew, but uh, he shortened the dose of roasted malt for half. 
So we were disappointed because it's not complete. <laughs> uh, in uh, the illegal way, we <laughs> put the full dose in, <laughs> into the beer. After, I think, 15 years, 15 years after, we told to the former boss that we cheated. <laughs> but everyone was satisfied because the, the beer was appreciated, not, not only by them. <laughs> Not only by him, but by, by the people around. Sometimes you should trust your brewers <laughs> because your brewers know what they're doing there. Um, how do you build that kind of, you know, color and body without, mm -hmm. uh, um, you know, without, because you're not making a, a stout per se, you know, mm -hmm. you're making a, a Czech dark lager that yeah. should have this color and heft, but also, you know, maybe not that kind of, uh, you know, very dark intensity that, uh, you know, you might expect from a stout. Yeah, yeah, it's a very uh, easy story and the same philosophy, we use the nature for it. So it means that the composition of four different molds creates uh, the taste and the color. Uh, the body uh, creates uh, the pale uh, Czech mold, mm -hmm. uh, the same uh, like in, in the uh, pale lager. Yeah. Uh, then uh, the Bavarian mold, the Munich, Munich mold. Mm -hmm is a part which gives uh, the tones of the body. Then the caramelized mold uh, produced by higher temperatures yep. with a specific, uh, specific uh, taste. And uh, the color, the dark color gives the roasted mold. Uh, that was the cheated item we doubled. <laughs> sure, sure. And I imagine it's still mostly base malt with smaller amounts of yeah. these other things in there. Sure. Sure. Is there any any key? How does it does it differ in its uh, you know mash process or uh, no 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 it's it's very similar uh, mostly identical with uh, the pale lager mm -hmm. and then uh, hops how does hop, how do you use hops in the in the dark lager that's the same that's one hundred percent of uh, Zaster fine aroma <laughs> well in cones there you go in cones of <laughs> course of course well we're we're uh we're uh getting on in time here and need to to wrap this up uh you know there's a long history of this brewery uh what uh you know what are you uh, looking forward to in the future and what are some of the you know biggest uh hopes and concerns that you have for for brewing here in the Czech Republic in the, in the next five years? Yeah, there are different parts of the future. One of them is the protection of the history. Yeah. So it means to, to protect uh, the great lagers. Uh, then to develop new beers. I think that it's not the end of the portfolio and uh, we are in uh, the laboratory scale testing different uh, interesting things because I've told you that the lager is not boring categor sure. category. So we can be curious to see new discoveries right. in, in, in case of lagers and uh, be sure that uh, we will test it properly to be drinkable. So uh, that's the second part. And the third one, it's uh, the playful uh, uh, beer scene of craft breweries. It uh, was impossible not to cooperate with them because uh, uh, we are cooperating with the Czech ones uh, as well with some, uh, some small breweries abroad. And uh, in cooperation with them, you open uh, the very wide scale uh, what to try what to try in experiments and sometimes from the experiments 
emerges great beers. So I'm looking forward to the future. You're keep continuing to try and continuing to experiment and continuing to, to stay open to, to new things. That's, that's fantastic and a beautiful place to be for a brewery with so much history. And I think that's a great place to bring this to a close. G&D Chillers has set the standard on quality, service, and reliability with 24-7 service and support. BSG hops are hand-selected for quality by their expert staff. Try Old Orchard's flavored craft juice concentrate blends in your next craft beverage. Join the AccuBrew community and experience 24-7 peace of mind. Pro Brews rotary can fillers reduce waste and produce higher quality packaged beer. Water is your number one ingredient in uswatersystems.com. Knows just how to treat it. Twin Monkeys offers customizable packaging solutions for every craft. Discover the whole soft lager range by Fermentis. And ABS Commercial is your full-service brewery outfitter. Of course, if you've enjoyed this podcast and any others, go to beerandbrewing.com, click on that subscribe button, and let us know that it matters to you. Um, Adam Broge, thanks for joining me on the podcast today. If people want to learn more about uh, Budvar, Czechvar in the United States, uh, where would you say that they should go look uh, for, for more information on what you do? Uh, I think that the best information is uh, to go through the brewery personally. That's the best experience, uh, better uh, than uh, all uh, our speeches and the information given uh, by different materials. So I think the best recommendation is come to us. And if you are a brewer or a beer geek, try to contact us. Our team uh, is uh, loving to share the joy from the beer. But we appreciate you sharing with us here. Cheers. Thank you, Ewald. Cheers. This podcast has been brought to you by Craft Beer and Brewing Magazine for those who love to make and drink great beer. To learn more or to subscribe, visit beerandbrewing.com or find us on social media at Craft Beer Brew.